Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from uh, our yes. comfortable, spacious, <laughs> at-home studio. And we have two mics this time. We don't have to share like we did last time due to equipment malfunction. Did it sound okay? Well, I didn't get any complaints, well, so you'll have to... Did it sound okay? <laughs> she asks the vast public that listens to the podcast. You can tell I never listen to us again. <laughs> oh, you never listen? 138 podcasts no, and you never listen to no, yourself? No, I've listened, but not much. It's like people, like actors and people. Some Who don't like to just, watch it, themselves. I just don't think I want to listen to myself, but we are very glad to have you join us today because we have some exciting things to chat about, including the end of our last trip, which was uh, a sailing trip that included... Uh, cruising to uh, Iceland and Halifax, Canada. And Norway. What have you been doing since we last chatted on the podcast? Well, I've been thinking about how much I enjoyed the five days at sea we had right. on the way home from Halifax and Iceland. And I know that some people who don't cruise well, as much as we do feel kind of hesitant to book a cruise with that many days at well, sea. Well, when you look at it, you say, ooh, five days at sea. That's ooh. uninterrupted. Yeah, we, have, we actually have quite a few more than that if you talk about the time in between ports. But uh, when you look at it, you say, ooh, five full days. Or as happened to us on one cruise, I think if you look back in the podcast, you'll find one that we did 12 days without a port and that was across the atlantic i don't know i kind of enjoyed the days at sea and i think most people when they look back on the experience find it to be quite delightful and we just had dinner the other night with somebody who took a cruise that was port 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 yeah, and yeah, she yeah. was talking about how exhausting that right, was right cruising can be exhausting no and question how about she it. had no time to enjoy the ship right. and ships are very enjoyable places to be and as is typical for cruise ships ours had tons of extra activities for those five days at sea which you could do or not do and i brought tons of activities from home <laughs> most of which i didn't get to i didn't read a single book and we didn't read listen to as many podcasts as we wanted and to. we only watched one of the movies that's that right we brought, brought a whole slew of movies that we never watched but we so, had a wonderful time so what did you do <laughs> <laughs> And that's when you look back on it, you say, boy, that time went pretty fast. And in talking to people on the ship who had similar concerns, uh, they said, oh, I don't know if I want to do or I don't know what I'm going to do for the five days. Most of the people, when you were near the end, they were saying, oh, it's too bad. Sorry, it's already it's over. over and let's book another one with this length. Because you'll find that the repositioning cruises have this kind of time at sea. And that's why they're often a good deal. Yes. And by a good deal, we mean uh, in the $100 a day per person with a balcony range. And that's a really good deal, as we've mentioned before, a really good deal for your entertainment, your food, lodging, transportation for a nice vacation. When I think about the question you asked me about what have I been doing <laughs> since I've been home, I've been spending a lot more than $100 a day. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> what have you been doing that you haven't been telling me about? Oh, you were, you've been there for every exciting moment. Ooh, <laughs> and I, I, I went, uh, I've been thinking about the money, though. Jeez, 
costs us more than a hundred dollars a day to be at home. Well, when we're getting the bathroom redone, yes. <gasps> oh yeah, that's right. We just had the bathroom remodeled. Whoosh. That is ka-ching, an expensive. Ka-ching. That's an expensive process, right? So uh, don't hesitate to sign up for a cruise, especially if you like. Uh, you know, you think about going to an all-inclusive resort, and. Many people do that in Cancun or other places. We talked to somebody who just came back from the Dominican Republic. You go there, and what's your whole your goal is to sit <laughs> and relax. However, with that said, I think that one of the things we have decided is not to do a North Atlantic repositioning cruise again. Not because the seas were rough, because no. they really weren't. No, not at all. But because the weather was a little bit too cold to be outside comfortably. And so all of us were confined inside the ship, and that meant it felt crowded, which it didn't need to. And many of the facilities went unused, which is a shame. Yeah, we saw, you know, they have nice water slides and uh, uh, all sorts of things on the deck, you know, even just the towel people. And they're all sitting there in jackets without anything to do. And not that it was really cold, but it was not too cold 60. to sit outside. It's too cold to sit outside, especially when you have a 30-mile-an-hour wind all the time. And so meant that uh, you couldn't go swimming and you couldn't get a suntan and all that sort of stuff. Whereas, if you take the southern route across the Atlantic, even at this time of year, it's nice and warm. And if you go through the Pacific and lots of other places, it's the weather is warm, and you can enjoy the pools, and you can sit outside. Our ship, uh, the Serenade of the Seas, had a nice solarium, which is an indoor pool, which is something if you do the northern route or a cool route. You want to make wanna, sure your ship Yeah, has. even if you go to Alaska or someplace like that, it's nice to have that indoor space, which has the feeling of outdoors, uh, but it's heated and, you know, the, the water in the pool is nice and warm and that sort of stuff. So there are strategies to cruising. <laughs> And uh, taking a repositioning cruise is one, and uh, thinking about how the weather is going to be is the other. Because we couldn't use our balcony as much as we wanted to either. We right. enjoy just my sitting on the balcony. My ideal day at sea is sitting on my balcony, watching the sea go by, listening to a good podcast. Yeah. But on this ship, they did. They had a lot of nice extra activities, which we appreciated. They can do things that they wouldn't otherwise have a chance to do. Like uh, you can have uh, chats, meet and chat and chat with uh, various crew members, like uh, the chief engineer. So you can learn about uh, how the ship works. And and they had a matinee performance for the entertainment every day at two thirty, which was nice, so that you get a second look at many of the uh, the headliner type of entertainers. So it's they they do do extra things plus the usual sorts of uh, trivia and games and Depending although this one didn't into. have the belly flop contest and all those pool games That's because carnival. they couldn't do it. well no they couldn't do it outdoors yeah because it was it was too cold so that was our trip um, we got home on uh, September thirteenth we were kind of uh, worried that uh, we would not make our flight because it was at eleven thirty a.m. and we don't usually book a flight quite that early but. Southwest only has a few nonstop flights to Chicago, and you—you you mean we don't book a flight quite as tight to the getting off time on the ship? Yeah, yeah. What did I say? Too early. In well, too, that's too early. Well, that's too early, early when you're getting off the ship. But uh, Boston is actually very well organized, and things moved along quite quickly. And the airport is nice and close in Boston, so we were able to fly from Boston to Chicago and get to the airport in plenty of time to make our, our flight. And so now we've been home for a couple of weeks getting ready to leave. That's the way we do it. Yep. So we will be now uh, at the end of this, at the end of October this month, 
Well, this is the September podcast, but the end of at the we're, end of we're making this for October. No, we're making this for September. No, it is September. I know. That's why we're making the podcast now. For October. No. We're we're reminiscing about September. And September in Chicago was one of the was the hottest September we've ever had. And we have been enjoying the summer. Now that we're back to now that we're back to now that we were in the cold for over a month, thirty five days we're in the cold and suddenly we are back with summer. And it has been great. And today the temperature has changed and the fall is here and and we're now looking forward to another travel adventure. So at the end of October, we're going to be heading off to Fall Colors in North Carolina. And we're going to be making fabulous stops at Gaffney, South Carolina. And you know why we stopped there. To get our chassis inspected. <laughs> chassis inspection. Oh, yes, that Dutch Star has to have its chassis inspected once every couple of years. And we have it tuned up and the oil changed and make it as good as new. Because it has been very reliable for us. Which has been great. And after a stop visiting some of my family members in the Carolinas, we're going to head on to our campsite that we bought in Titusville at the Great Outdoors, which we have spent exactly one night on since <laughs> we purchased it. And for the first time, we but will, it has been earning money. We will leave our motorhome there, go home for the holidays, and then come back. Which is something that I know a lot of the, a lot of you do because right. you don't like to drive in the bad weather with your RV. And, and we're going to try that out. There's some pros and cons doing it that way. And we hope that those of you who have joined us at the Great Outdoors, yes. or who we are joining at yes. the Great Outdoors, <laughs> we're finally getting um, down there. We'll, we'll stop by and say hi, and maybe we can plan a big. Potluck. <laughs> the famous RV Navigator Potluck, which will be held sometime in January. Uh, and also, this year we'll be going to the Tampa Super Show. So if you're planning to head in that direction, if you're looking for an RV or you're just going to go to see the latest gizmos and gadgets at the show, uh, let us know and we'll get together and uh, have a, a chat session for the RV Navigator listeners. RVing is a lot like sailing. Yes or no? I know over time we have been amazed how many gizmos and gadgets that we've bought that mm -hmm. were originally made or created for boaters to use. And it seemed like we had a lot of things in common. We're used to living in confined spaces and getting ourselves from here to there. But in other ways, I feel like boating is very different uh -huh. from RVing. Well, we've often said that cruising is RVing on steroids. Well, you say that. So you can talk about cruising on the RV Navigator. Oh, no. I would never <laughs> pervert. Let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> really? I, oh, I'm speechless that you would accuse me of such a thing. Trying to push topics in here that don't are not appropriate but uh, well cruising is you don't have to you, without the driving without the cooking and you don't have to unpack and i dress a lot better on a cruise than i do okay. in my rv okay so and anyway. i eat a lot better on a cruise than a, I do a lot in my of RV. sailors i think think of themselves and a lot of rvers think that sailing is a lot like but that's not cruising if you're interested in this topic and it is kind of an interesting topic because with, there is a lot of crossover hardware you were always worrying about batteries and fresh water and dumping our sewer and all that sort of stuff. And that's always something that uh, uh, sailors have to worry about also, I would think. Although we have never really had an opportunity to sail like that. We need, we're need. we looking for a friend with a boat, if you would like to volunteer. <laughs> yeah, and, and we've had a few emails from people who have been boating. 
whose names I can't remember. But if you're interested in, in reading a little bit about this and seeing the comparisons to RVing and boating, the website to the blog, Gone with the Winds, who is a, a younger couple who have decided they want the adventurous life, they spent five years as novices in an RV, and now, without any experience at all, they got rid of the RV and bought a catamaran and are presently sailing around Florida with big plans that they will be traveling around the world on their catamaran. <laughs> I just don't see me doing this. No, and you're not going to. <laughs> well, we've certainly given it some thought and we see some real disadvantages to that lifestyle from how we like to do things. Yeah, I think so. Um, we don't like to spend a lot of time getting from one place to another. <laughs> it's silly. You spend a lot of time. And once we get somewhere, we would like to go out and see it and investigate it. And right. when you pull into a, a marina yes. with your boat, then what do you do to get around? You have and to rent a car or hire somebody. Or and, and getting a slip in a marina sounds like a lot like you would get a, a, campsite. a campsite. But they were talking about the fact that it's 65 bucks a night to tie up their, their boat, and which they do a lot of. No, I don't say camping. They do a lot of overnighting at anchor. Anchoring, yeah. Because uh, well, I guess Well, you certainly can expense. pay $65 for a campsite. That's not something that we would do on a regular basis, that's no, for sure. No, and even we're going to be spending some time in Asheville, North Carolina. Right During at the, the peak. prime prime leaf viewing season. And it's going to be only 40 to 45 a night. 45, I think yeah, she which, said. which is plenty for us. But sailing just sounds like it could be a real money pit. So we're going to but, put a link on the um, RV Navigator web page for this month uh, so you can follow the winds around with their adventures as they're learning how to sail and think for yourself yes. whether this is a lifestyle yeah, that you would it, like. It's kind of an interesting idea. And we also have a link to yes. somebody who's going the other direction, who has <laughs> been a boater and has decided to purchase an RV. And, and this start. article is called Bye Bye Boat, Hello RV, or Vice Versa. I think both of these articles, we've listened Different to them and read them. And, well, and I think we've decided we're happy where we are yes and we'll just kind of stick with the old rv and and drive it around because in a boat they they are lucky to go 20 miles in a day and that is kind of crazy or what they consider a day five hours or six hours of sailing which is work and they don't have a tv i didn't get the impression they had a tv well how would you get a signal and, well from land well in a satellite dish you can't do that on a boat can you uh, your cruise ship did. Yeah, but that's a big boat. <laughs> I see. There's some differences there. Anyway, so how do you take your pictures? With my beloved... Okay, we're changing topics here. With my beloved camera. And your camera is? Which one is mine? Mine's the CyberShot DSC HX90V. Sony. So we each carry a pocket camera. Both Sonys. Both Sonys. Mine is the CyberShot DSC RX100 Mark III. And the reason why I'm bringing this up again is because I had an opportunity to import all the pictures into one uh, library. From the trip we just took. And, of course, Martha is taking pictures right along beside me. So many of our pictures are very similar. And what I did was I took the pictures and looked at them at 100%. And I was shocked at the differences between the two. 
the two cameras, uh, to all intents and purposes, are, are are very similar in terms of size and the way they look. They both have what we have talked about before, and that is the the very nice uh, viewfinder that pops up so that you can see and you don't have to use the LCD screen. And they both use the same sort of cards, and they both... Oh, but yours has a big feature, which you really like. Mine's very zoomy. <laughs> zoomy, is that a technical term? I like to take close-up <laughs> pictures where you like to take wide angles and panoramas uh-huh. more. So your camera has a 30-to-1 zoom, mm-hmm. optical 30-to-1 zoom. Mine has a 3-to-1 zoom. Which is a big difference. So you're at the store, and you're holding both of these cameras in your hand, and you're saying... Well, Martha's cost three hundred fifty dollars. Ken's cost seven hundred dollars, and Martha's has a thirty to one zoom. Why on earth would I ever consider Ken's camera? It's better in low light. <laughs> and the reason why uh, is that it has a one inch sensor as opposed to Martha's teeny weeny sensor, which, which is, is the about size the size of a fingernail. <laughs> right, and that makes a really big difference when you are looking at your pictures in large size or if you need to enlarge a small section of the pictures to be able to use. And I cannot uh, really emphasize this enough. Sensor size is one of those things that is becoming very noticeable differentiator between cameras. And there's a wide variety of cameras that have one-inch sensors. Now, what about all these people that we see who take pictures with their phones? How are their sensors? Teeny tiny. Fingernails also? Teeny tiny, and their lens is always wide open. It has no aperture control, so that all the exposure control is done with the shutter, which is electronic. So while your pictures are ever so much better than mine, well, mine are better than theirs. Boy, what this, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That'll be interesting. We should... We should try this out. Our listeners, I want to just emphasize that there are more factors than just looking at pixels. Yours has 16,000, and I think mine has 20, but that's, that's pretty much immaterial. But with a larger sensor, you get several nice features. One is, is that it has much better light-gathering capability. Therefore, it has it can take pictures in a wider range of lighting situations, regardless of the lens. Mine has a very fast lens on it which is something I pay for. Mine is a f1.8 lens. Hers is like a 3.5 lens. That's a big difference. So even though these cameras look the same and but have significant difference in cost there are significant differences in the quality of the pictures if you are going to enlarge them to any sort of big size or if you're going to crop them. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, so, I can see the difference. So you, I mean, the difference was very clear. Yeah. Your pictures, when I enlarged them to 100%, I looked at it like a, a solid blue sky or the, or the clouds or something, and it looked like it was molting. A lot I of mean, dots. A lot of, yeah. Well, it wasn't pixels. It was molting. And that was in an ideal situation. And my feeling is that your pictures are more vivid than mine in terms no, of color. Well, I don't think that that's, well, that's really much of a factor. That's my feeling. So mine has mine will take pictures in lo- much lower light situations, and it has these nice big pixels, which <laughs> I have had to make a big compromise because I they're not the sensor is not as big as a digital SLR, but I've been very happy with the two cameras that I have, the Panasonic and now the Sony, which are both one-inch sensors, and it seems to be a nice compromise. And there's a wide variety of cameras available with one-inch sensors. So if you're in the market, but are they zoomy? 
Well, that's the issue. And will they fit in my pocket? They will. Uh, it does require more glass. There's no question about it because to fill the, the the glass of a one inch, you know, a one inch sensor requires a different lens. So that's why mine only has a three to one zoom, even though the the lens is about the same size as yours. That's an issue. That's a decision you have to make as as a photographer. What are you going to do with your pictures? If you're going to put them on the web, fine. If you're going to enlarge them in prints, and I have prints around here that are. 24 by 36 and so the, the, if you're going to do that do them that big you're going to need quality pixels well when you find a camera with a big sensor that's zoomy let me know it's physically impossible because the lens can't cover that big size and that's why a digital slr is the lenses are an, a quantum size bigger than the one-inch ones because it is a much larger sensor again and it requires more uh, of a lens, more glass. So the lenses are naturally bigger. And that's why the compact uh, four-thirds cameras are in between. So you have a wide variety of choices. Uh, I decided not to go with the four-thirds, and I'm pretty glad I did. The one-inch sensor seems to be uh, do a good job, and I can make pictures about as big as I care to. Uh, and the cameras are reasonable size. I've been very happy not to have to carry all those big lenses. And if you really the the best one inch camera is the new Sony, which I don't have, but the new Sony has a twenty four to six hundred millimeter lens on it. Now that's a one inch sensor, and it's a two point eight, which is very fast, and it's not as big as most d digital SLRs. So it's got one lens on the camera; you can't change it, but it has this <laughs> dynamic range. You wouldn't want; you don't need to change it with a 600 millimeter built in all the time, and and a 24 is a nice, nice wide angle. So, and those, of course, are 35 millimeter equivalents. So, uh, that would be the camera that I'm lusting after. So, would it fit in my pocket? It does not fit in your pocket, but it's not as big as a digital SLR. Mm -hmm. And it has a nice electronic viewfinder as well as the LCD on the back. So what can I sell you? I'm just stuck, I guess. Uh -huh. I'm well, stuck so, on zoominess. Okay. And we've noticed, though, that when you zoom in, you lose quality. The very end of my range is... is and it's not because it's fuzzy. It's because the sensor just can't, can't resolve it right. I've had a good time with my drone, too. My new drone which I bought at, at Sam's. Well, when have you used it? Well, I've... You said you had a good time with it. I shot it at the tennis tournament. Oh. As, as well as other times with Chuck, we went out and shot. But I see that GoPro has a new drone. So the drone market is heating up, plus the fact that the rules now have been stabilized, so you actually can use it in quite a variety of situations. So you feel I, more comfortable about taking it out when yeah, we're yeah, in because, strange places? Yeah, now that I have my number, unfamiliar places. Now that I have my number on it, so that it has been officially registered, so that it will be attached to me. But uh, the GoPro drone actually has quite a few benefits, including the arms that fold up and a nice case that it comes with, so, so that you can a smaller profile to store in your RV. Ooh, does anybody want to buy a drone? You just <laughs> bought this one. Give me a break. Well, it's better than our friend who landed his in a street and oh. then a car ran over it. As a result of seeing mine and the good price that I got on mine, he went out and bought one, flew it two times, landed it in the street, and a car ran over it. He landed it, though, it sounded like. Yeah. It, I mean, it wasn't like it was. No. It, it came down no. suddenly. He just couldn't believe that the driver didn't see it. Yeah. Oh, boy. Ran over his. Oh, God. <laughs> Would that be an aggravating situation or what? I don't know. 
We just heard about that since we've been home. New topic. New topic. Shortly before we left, I think we told you that we bought a new Grand Cherokee. And as motorhome owners, then the next problem is getting it ready for towing. Um, We are sad that we had to trade in our old Grand Cherokee with all the towing stuff still on it and that we couldn't find anybody who wanted to take advantage of it. So we're kind of having to pretty much start from scratch. Well, yeah, I, I... I took off the Air Force One, the air brake braking system for the the Grand Cherokee. I spent two or three hours and took it off because it was an expensive operation, and I felt I could take it off, but I wasn't sure I wanted to put it back on again. So I took that sort of stuff off, and I bought the new kit. So that if you have a diesel pusher, you will have a few options for the brake controller, and one of them is called Air Force One, and that connects into your your air brake system and provides proportional braking for your toad. Um, and that's by far the best braking. Rather, the, the brake buddies are kind of either on or off, and they, they have to overcome the power brakes on your car being off, whereas the system doesn't have that op- have that problem. So bottom line is, is that we are reinstalling Air Force One. And this has been a far more challenging process than we expected because even though the Air Force One website lists lots of people in our metro Chicago Chicago, area that would be more than happy to install the Air Force One into our new Grand Cherokee, lo and behold, when we contact them, they beg off. So The guy we had that installed at Air Force One is no longer here and blah, blah, blah. And then you call the factory and they say, well, really any good mechanic can do it and blah, 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 blah. So the bottom line is that we are going to be driving to the factory once again and that was not to this factory but we kind of do this as a <laughs> like quite a it often ends up with the best results yeah so we're going to drive to the factory down in southern indiana on our way to north carolina and have it installed three hours and uh, 300 bucks to install it for the labor and so that will get that part of it taken care of and we just had our new blue ox base plate put in and that's the other thing, because you have to have some way to tow it. And so basically you have a, a gizmo that goes into the receiver on your motorhome, and then you have these arms that extend out that hook into your car, and they put a base plate on it with connectors, and you put the connectors on your car and uh, p- pins through them, and off you go. You're, you're ready to tow. And we had to have a light kit put in, too. So you need to have the turn signals. And you, these days you can't tie into the car and use the same lights that are in your taillights because the electronic system in the cars is so sophisticated that you blow something up, so, potentially. So one lesson in this lengthy saga is that <laughs> if you are thinking about buying a car soon and thinking that you might want to buy an RV, which you will tow it with later, that you want to be very careful to buy a car that will be towable. Four down. With yeah, without a dolly. Yeah, and most many cars cannot be, uh, as we have mentioned in the past. So yeah. the Grand Cherokee is nice because it's one button and away you go. And um, now that we've spent all this money to get it ready to be towed, we're never buying another one. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> 2016 was a good year, a vintage year for <laughs> Grand Cherokee. So. But now we have a car that matches, so that's the that's that the, was the most important. That was thing. The really good news. <laughs> But uh, if you're thinking about buying, you're saying, well, 
to set your car up, it's going to be about $3,000 to set it up to tow. And you're saying, oh, that's way too expensive, and you're going to get a dolly. Well, be careful because uh, with a dolly, which takes two, two wheels off the ground, any car that has all-wheel drive, you can't use. You can't use a dolly with it. And you have to say, what are you going to do with a dolly once you get to your destination? And a dolly is going to cost you 1000 bucks anyway. So there may be some advantages to having a dolly, but we towing, don't think so. towing four down, it takes us five minutes to hook ourselves up and be ready to go. And that is a big plus. Plus, there's no extra space taken up by the hardware because it all either fits on the bumper or in in the car. And with the Air Force One, there's nothing in the car, so we just have a connector hose that goes between the air brakes on the motorhome and the connector on the car. So that's all you need for that. Because we've played around with Brake Buddies or Patriot from Blue And we're Blue done Ox. doing we're that. We're done doing that. The, the wife says no. So They're unreliable. So how many episodes of the RV Navigator have you listened to? Maybe two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> 138, and you've already listened to two? <laughs> well, I already know what I said. Well, what's unbelievable to me is regularly I get an email from somebody who says, oh, boy, it's too bad. I've just sat and listened to all 138 of them, and I wish there were more, which is really a shockeroo. Uh, we really appreciate you listening, I'll tell you. And we, we love to get the emails, and I try to reply to all your emails. But uh, I, I guess it, they're not dated. I don't know. I... I I would. I'm afraid to go back and listen to the ones from 2006. Well, we'll sound much younger. That's for sure. Do we? Oh, we'll have to ask. Do we sound younger? <laughs> well, we we should. Your voice doesn't get old. Sound. <laughs> sound like a frog. It could. Anyway, this month we got a nice letter, a nice email. It says September 19th was a sad day. I started listening to podcast number one last March oh. while I drove. <laughs> Mode, walked, etc., and have caught up to number 137 podcast. From now on, I'm going to have to wait 30 days to hear a new podcast <laughs> or what was happening in your travels. As I was mowing, you answered the question I had emailed you about tag axles in your podcast. It brought a smile to my face. And you, by writing us this, have brought a smile to our ours. faces. That's for Thank sure. you so much. So they're considering going off and, and uh, getting an RV, and are, they're looking forward to doing what we're doing in the not-too-distant future. He asked me about uh, the DEF adding extra weight and whether he wants a tag axle, and that's just something that's going to happen. You're going to have to have DEF. I enjoy your talks uh, about non-RV travels as much as I do the RV info. What is your favorite cruise, cruise line? line, Princess and RCL? Princess, we have elite status on. So and and you know frequent flyer perks or frequent traveler perks for on the on the cruise lines are just as important as they are on the airlines, <laughs> and so that is a kind of an incentive. So we like Princess because of the vast variety of itineraries, itineraries. and we like and I think they're RCL. the best perks too. Yeah, I think so too. And RCL were at the top of their list, uh, top of their passenger appreciation list, and we get although no, we're not. Well, we're almost. We're only moderately VIP on although you, Although they have these recognitions when you're on the ship, you know, somebody's been on it for 1,900 days, days, and you just go, whoa, <laughs> how does that, that's never going to happen. But we like uh, RCL because of the ships. They have spectacular spaces inside their ships, like the promenade. And we're going on the Harmony at Christmas, by the way, which has three days at sea in a week. 
And in, in a general way, if you don't know about the perks, I would say they usually involve free or subsidized Wi-Fi, free or subsidized laundry, and some liquor. Free. <laughs> so that's that's what we're working very hard to get to the top of so we can get more free Wi-Fi. So if you'd like to have a, a really fun time uh, sometime, go back and listen to all of the first podcasts. I wonder how many listeners actually go back and listen to a number from starting from one. I have so many one. podcasts I want to listen to that I never get to. I don't think I ever have done starting back with one. I have. On any podcast. I have. Really? Have yeah. you really? That's why I'm so behind. Yeah. So how do you trip, plan your trip? I talk to you about it and negotiate. <laughs> but once you've decided where you're going, do you use Google Trips, a brand new app? I, I looked at it and it looks like it could be helpful, yes, especially indeed. on overseas suitcasey kind of trips. Yeah, probably not for RVing, but if you're looking for a nice app that apparently is focused on unconnected usage. So you don't need to be having Wi-Fi while you're and using it. For those people who don't plan a lot ahead, it, they make they go out of their way to show you that it can be used for planning as you are on the trip. But certainly if you RV as we do and you get to an area and you want to mosey around for four or five days in that area, it would be a good app to use to find out where things are around you and how to get to them quickly and plan a day's itinerary. It could be useful yeah. for that for an RV or two, yeah, I think. Yeah. So that's the new app for the month, uh, Google Trips. I want you to take a look at this video. Uh, this it's been pretty widely distributed on the on the web, and it's of an RVer motorhome towing a truck, and he apparently has a flat tire on one of the front two tires, and veers off the four lane highway, goes across the median, starts going down the other side, going the wrong way, of course. So he had his blowout in his driver's side tire because it pulled him to the And this, the of course, is the biggest nightmare I have as a yeah, RV driver, is what do you do in the case of a flat? And that's why we have the tire pressure, pressure monitoring monitors. system. And you hope that it will give you some warning so that you can take action before the tire actually blows out. But I, I guess tires just blow out all of a sudden for... You know, for whatever reason, having one of the front tires blow out is, a, is, of course, especially bad. So instead of watching a scary movie for Halloween, you can just watch this video. <laughs> well, the good thing is I don't think anybody was hurt. No, and he stayed upright. And he stayed he, upright, but there are several videos on But he could have run into somebody because oh, he was oh, on, oh, going the wrong way on, the, all, on the highway. Well, of course, there he is then on the other side. Right. What would you do there? I, right. I talked last month about the low bridge, and what would you do there? Oh, it's an 11-foot bridge. Okay, I'm not going to drive under it, but what am Where I going to do? do? <laughs> How do I turn around? So the pop quiz today. If you have a tire blowout, what should you do? A, hit the brakes hard. B, speed up and get off the road. C, slow down and drive to an exit. All of those are reasonable choices, except for B, speed up and get off the road. My reaction would be to hit the brakes, but that's wrong. So what you do now is you go to our website for this episode and you look at the Michelin YouTube, vi video. YouTube video about what, have, what do you do when you blow out a tire. And you will find that surprisingly enough, the answer is... Da -da 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 -da. Speed up to get off the road. That's a little. B. That's a little deceptive. You're speeding up to get control of the rig because but you're when, applying the gas, not the brakes. Because when the tire blows, wherever that it is, it pulls you to that side. 
And that's why you're speeding up to get control. Yeah, well, and you're not speed. It's not like you're going to go uh, if you're going fifty. You're going to go seventy. It's like you apply the gas Gen- to gently, gently so that you will be going just a little faster because that apparently adjusts the physics of it so that it's, so that you won't to compensate veer off. for it pulling you to the side. Their video makes sense mm-hmm. when they when mm-hmm. they tell you about this, mm-hmm. but whether you would actually do it in a an emergency. emergency situation, I try to train myself to think: if I have a flat tire, and this is what I'm going to do. I really do, do, do think would about that. Would you do that. that in a car too? Sure. Yeah. Oh, this yeah, it has nothing to Even do. Even if you're not pulling anything. You, no, it's not. Well, it doesn't make a difference whether yeah. you're pulling. That yeah. has nothing to do with it. Uh, I mean, however, the forces will be easier to control in a car, car. because it's not as big of a vehicle. Right. So it's the motorhome that has the oh, that oof, having a flat. But tire. having a flat when you're pulling a trailer is exciting too. Most people, when they have a flat on their trailer, I just watched the the long long honeymoon, uh, another video blog that you might want to take a look at. But he had f- uh, a flat on his trailer and. It didn't really cause them problems, and he didn't even know it for quite a while, and it just chewed up the the back end of his of his airstream. Ooh, yeah, and exactly why he didn't have tire pressure monitors. I don't think a lot of trailer people put tire pressure monitors on their trailer, but this is a very good They're reason. They're equally oblivious to what's going on uh, back there. It was the second tire of a tandem, and he apparently can't see it out of his rearview mirror so or can't see it very well smoking and flaming <laughs> no but it really did a job yeah, and he's had either. two blowouts and it seems like after two you'd spend the few bucks it takes to get a tire pressure monitoring system and sticking on those guys i don't know that would be my feeling i was very impressed with the video of this <laughs> rv and you never know when that's going to happen so i ready to do my my install of my dash cam now going to be dash cam oriented and uh empowered so that we will have uh, a view out of our front window in case something happens. Ooh, is that bad? Insurance. Or if something is beautiful out our window. That could also be. So we talked about the VR the other day, virtual reality, and the fun we had with... We we took it to a family event, and it was funny watching everybody view it, and there's this commercial on TV that... Is it's very really reminiscent funny. of how they viewed it. It, it, it. When you watch people viewing VR, it's it's funny. They're immediately somewhere else, yeah, right. and they're reacting to things that you can't see what they are because you're not watching what they're watching. So Google released uh, the cardboard camera app back in December, but until this week, uh, it was Android only. Well, no longer. The iOS app is just launched, enabling the iPhone users to capture and share immersive 360 VR video uh, movies in a snap. The app uses the term virtual reality loosely. More accurately, it might be a 360 panorama. But uh, it, this will be a chance for you. I was I was kind of questioning how you actually make a VR, and uh, this is one of the, the ways you, it, that you do it. And, of course, one of the hits in the VR market, uh, the movies that you can view, is the one with President Obama in Yosemite. And it's very interesting to watch because... You see him being interviewed by somebody, and then with, with the 360, you can turn all around and see all the people and the, the fire truck there to, for safety in case something happens to the president. And it looks like he's standing out in the middle of a pristine woods situation talking in just a casual way with a ranger. But there are hundreds of people there, including lots of photographers. Anyway, that's a pretty interesting video. Unfortunately, we can't watch it on our iPhones because... There is no app for that, for that particular version. You have to get the the Oculus or a Samsung phone. 
Aren't you worried about those catching fire? Uh, I'm not buying a Samsung, but are we getting the new iPhone 7? Oh, probably, although we're not sure What's why. the downside? No, it's not the downside. It's deciding which one. Oh, really? Whether I want to... What color you want? No, whether I want the smaller one. Well, they only comes in two sizes. I want... One size that you have and one bigger. No, I thought it came with the size I used to have. The, the I, No, the old one comes that way. You can still buy the smaller one. But it's not an iPhone 7. Well, my problem is my pockets are too full of me, and I don't have room to put the phone in my pocket. So I want something a little smaller. We got the iPhone upgrade program so that every year we can get a new iPhone, which is nice. And uh, we might just do that in the next few months uh, as we decide whether the new iPhone is worth it. And I think it is, especially for free. Well, and people are really jacked out of shape about not being able to use their wired headphones anymore. But we love our wireless Bluetooth headphones, and that's virtually all I use. In the old days when I used wired phones, I was always headphones, yeah. snipping them in two when I was pruning in the garden. So, so this is a Such much talent. better way to go. She's a really talented gardener. <laughs> well, and it comes with a dongle that you can plug in any headset to. And it comes, secondly, with a set wired of wired headphones, headphones that have the lightning adapter lightning connector on the end so i don't see that as much of a problem and as she said we love our bluetooth headsets we have plain tronics and they are really super and we use them all the time and i don't i mean the battery life is seven or eight hours and it's fine it's fine we don't really have much of an issue with that and they're very comfortable to wear so i don't see much problem with uh going bluetooth <clears throat> But for those of you who have wires and want to continue to use wires, that well, that's is the main complaint I've heard from people our age who don't like to change. Fall is the time when there are lots of uh, RV shows for manufacturers, and one one of the ones that's, that's become the one of the biggest in the country is the Elkhart, Indiana dealer show, and this has become a place where many manufacturers introduce new models, and they've you have done to be it. a dealer to go there. Yeah, and actually there are two. There's another one in November, but the one in, in Elkhart has. Because there's so many manufacturers there, they just kind of started by having a few dealers in to demonstrate the new models. And then it's grown to the, apparently this huge uh, marketplace for dealers. And they're planning on doing billions of dollars worth of sales to dealers, which will then sell them to, to, us. to us. But make no bonds about it. New technology helps sell RVs, according to the article. When touring luxury models, dealers and potential buyers can understand today's appeal of RVing from big screen televisions lifted ceilings, walk-in closets to touch-sensitive switches and theater seating. The latest models are loaded up with up-to-date amenities, except for us. What do you mean, except for us? We have amenities. Not many. Well, to me, what's the point of all this if you have to be on 30 amps? Customers are looking to have a lot of the same amenities they have at home, Russ said. Well, I'm not on 30 amps. They don't care about roughing it as much as any as they used to. Tammy Stewart, owner of Welcome Back RV Outlet in Athens, Texas, said her customers want ease of use. They want to have all of the gadgets and they want to be able to be able to set up everything easily, she said. And I think we've mentioned this many times. We don't go camping to go camping. We go camping as a means of travel and that we are interested in having a home-like experience. And it sounds like people are really... Agree with us. Yes. Toy haulers are becoming a must-have items for younger families with the ability to store motorcycles or all-terrain vehicles. Toy haulers also offer open floor plans and enough sleeping space for eight or ten people. People don't realize they want one until they see it. 
Other innovations include automatic leveling technology, which we really like, but Mm -hmm. that's becoming more and more common on fifth wheels and probably trailers too. And some uh, Keystone models and other Thor units that are powered by solar panels. Wow. Thor Motor Coach unveiled, unveiled models that include incline mechanisms on beds. I don't know about that. Do I need to sit up in bed? <laughs> to watch TV. In bed? We have a, t- a TV in your bedroom, okay. probably. One unit has two full bathrooms. We just tried to understand the wants and likes and needs of our customers right now. Boy. So that's... Uh, <laughs> An interesting progression of of amenities, I guess. I don't know. As, as we go and look, I don't even understand why you need a bath and a half, except if you got a family. Does that mean that they're kind of ricocheting back from the tactic they took after 2008, where they tried to make everything very affordable? Yes. Well, they're um, still making very affordable. But, I mean, I the think. more gizmos and gadgets you have, you're going to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, that's obviously the case. And you show them the bottom line, and then you sell, upsell them to something else. StarCraft, we see the headline, is to include the Wi-Fi Ranger on all RVs, which is another cool feature. If you have it built in, then you don't have to worry about it working all the time. So that, so that's the uh, the feature that allows you to extend the range of uh, Wi-Fi, and that's something that's becoming more and more common. As Wi-Fi access continues to to be highly important and completely essential to RVers' day-to-day living, StarCraft Management has decided that it's time to give its customers the best Wi-Fi solution available today, offering the Wi-Fi Ranger. So that's a nice feature. And we're also noticing that uh, our friends at KOA are offering a mail service. We use Escapee's mail service, but one of the questions that you always get when people know that you've been on the road for a long time, they say, well, how do you get your mail? And you have a mail service. And KOA is going to be offering a short-term mail service for people who want to travel. And, of course, you will be able to travel if the fuel costs continue to be low. And I have a chart here which I'm going to put on the webpage about the prices of fuel in various past seasons and years. They estimate that the this year the average price of a gallon of gas was $2.70, and that's 40, 44 cents less than a per gallon from last summer. But that uh, in various years past, all the way through night for 2005, it has uh, been was 3.05 a gallon. So I think a lot of people are going to take advantage of of the gas prices. Uh, but diesel prices are also expected to remain low in the next few months. But as diesel-powered RVers steer to 2017, they can expect to pay higher prices than their gas-powered counterparts. Diesel prices always go up when the temperature drops and the home heating demands surge. So we better drive to Florida right away before that happens. That's right. But, of course, by driving a diesel, you automatically get about 30% better fuel mileage right off the bat. So that's uh, a big advantage to the diesels. Last month, we asked for cool stuff for Christmas People presents. to put on their RV Christmas list. I know. Did and anybody I... send you anything? No. Oh, no. It's too early. So we're going to start the ball rolling. I couldn't resist. I had to buy some things. But if you're interested in what is popular with RVers, uh, Amazon has their page of the best sellers for RVers. We have that uh, link. But we also bought... <laughs> What movie was it that we saw where she tried to eat the towels? Yeah, was I can't that... remember. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot with Tina Fey. And they're in a restaurant, and they have this little white cube, 
Like she, a big pill is what it looked like to me. And she says, oh, she picks it up and puts it in her mouth. And, the, and her date says, why are you eating the napkin? And it looks like a big pill. But you So put, I went online. Put a little water on it. And it's a towel. And I went online and there's a company called Easy Towels, which makes their little pellets. They look about the size of an Alka-Seltzer. And I bought 100 of them for $10. So you're going to carry them in your pocket at all times? Right, as long as I don't get wet. And what happens is is that it's very hard, and when you wet it down, it turns into a, a 9 by 12 rag. Like a face cloth, kind of. But it's, but it's not paper. It's rayon. So cloth. It's cloth, which is cool. They give you a tube that you can put 10 of them in for emergency use. So in, a, as an, in an RV, this would be way cool. You have kids or something you need to wipe their face off. You spit on this towel and you wipe spit it. Spit on that towel. Well, mothers, we use it on our kids all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I also bought uh, something else which has always bothered me, and that's the the Quip toothbrush. In olden times, we in used toothbrushes. And toothbrushes were we had to move them up and down ourselves no. with our own hands. No. And then we were introduced How long ago was that? to electric toothbrushes, which do a much better job. But well, by the, the first time ones you have the toothbrush and the charging mechanism, it takes up so much room. Well, the first ones, though, were just kind of little motors that move the thing up and down. And then they came out with these super vibrating ones that are digital you or something. You almost don't have to go to the dentist Yeah, anymore. but when they touch your teeth, it's like you, <laughs> you go through the ceiling. It goes, I like teeth. that. No. Yeah, I do. Scared the living daylights out of me the first time it happened. <laughs> anyway, those if if you touch the teeth, you're against the hard plastic of the toothbrush. It, it really rattles your brain. Rattles your brain. That's unbelievable. I'm sure you've had that experience. Well, there's got to be a better way. And the Quip Company, which I think is probably a Kickstarter, came out with a brand new toothbrush, which is very small, the size of the old-fashioned brush-it-yourself kind. It's electric, and it has replaceable heads and that sort of stuff. So, And it, and it only uses a triple A battery. One. So for travel, this is going to be my new go-to is toothbrush. Is it powerful enough? That would be uh, mine. They say that the the motion of it is better than the other ones. Hmm. It's not as hard. And hmm. the bristles are specifically designed for my teeth. Your teeth? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but they're supposed to be specially designed and better bristles. Well, when, you're not, better. when you're not looking, I'll have to borrow your toothbrush to try it out. I only got one head. I know. So anyway, if you're interested in any of these fascinating products. Oh, I forgot the one I'm really looking forward to. You don't have this yet, do you? I can't because it's not available. Oh. I'm, I'm always. Will it be out for Christmas? I really hate to tie my shoes. Why? I really hate to tie my shoes. <laughs> Why? <laughs> But Nike is now coming out with self-lacing shoes. They're all electric. You push a button and it tightens up. Oh, God. They're due out in November, so I can't Maybe quite when you're it. so old that you can't bend over, it would make sense. But you're not there yet. I want self-tying <laughs> shoes. So I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting these. And they have little LED lights, too. Of course they do. And you have they have USB charging. Now, did you ever think in your lifetime that they would be, <laughs> be recharging your, your shoes? You to plug them into my laptop? Yes. Oh, yeah, I can see it now. Oh, honey, um, uh, can I borrow your laptop? I have to plug in my Take shoes. My <laughs> well, you need two because you have to have one for each, each shoe. Each shoe? I, don't, I only have two. But you only, have to char- you only have to charge them once every two weeks. Okay. 
How much do these cost? I have no idea. Sounds pricey. But I'm going to have a pair by the next podcast. Sounds pricey to me. (laughs) We have uh, managed to take up an hour of your time. Maybe we should make these a lot shorter so the people who do listen to all 138 of them. It won't take them so long. (laughs) Okay. Um, We have a lot of fun making the podcast, so I guess that is... That's worth something. Worth something, I don't know. But uh, we always like to hear from you, and um, please send us an email and keep on listening. And we hope to see you in a campground near us in the not-too-distant future. Happy travels. Bye now. Bye.